studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, a bunch of different things I want to talk about. I wasn't here yesterday. I was sick from a gastrointestinal thing, I guess, according to a doctor friend I know. He said my uh, symptoms were consistent with something I ate. He said it's almost guaranteed something you ate. E. coli. Unless it was the power bar I ate, which I suppose it could be. But it was was it like uh, like a dry? It was thing? one of those dry, crunchy things in a wrapper. It just seems pretty unlikely that there's anything wrong with that. Can E. coli live in something like that or salmonella? I don't actually know. The that. The only thing I ever other thing I ate was a delicious, delicious sandwich from Arby's. Mm, they would never was, do you wrong. I was sick. Ooh, that was rough. I will do a lot to avoid that ever happening again. I don't know uh, how, what you do, but I heard that. Um, so quick on our meeting. Do we have the Wokeshevics on the March uh, theme stuff still ready to go? Has somebody uh, like mixed that down? I don't believe so. Oh, we got it. We got to okay, mix that down you. so it's available. That's an ongoing feature, damn yeah, it. Maybe next segment we'll get that together. All right, so, then. So this next thing, I want to talk about Israel because that's going on as we speak. Um, but So we got this clip of a teacher losing their S, as we heard, and it's uh, not a... Not a flattering view of a teacher. It's a teacher that may have, uh, well, may have suffered burnout, as we were talking about last hour, over one particular student and uh, things got out of hand here. I haven't heard it. I don't care if you're vaccinated, you little dick. Okay. I don't want to get sick and die. Okay. There's other people you can infect just because you're vaccinated. You know what? You're not a special person around here. You should care about how everybody talks about you. You're I don't a know how jerk. Talk to me. I don't care how people you're talk about you. You're a jerk. Okay. And you need to have respect for other people in your life. I do. You're not a big man on campus. Quit walking around here like you have a stick up your butt. Wow. I uh, So I didn't necessarily agree with her on the original statement, but clearly there is a history there. <laughs> there seems to be a tad bit of resentment. As she goes to the... Um, uh, you ought to hear about how other people talk about you around here. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a really professional thing to say. People talk about me? Cool. Cool. Awesome. Uh, I'm guessing that was high school, era, just based on the, the, the kid's voice. B-M-O-C. Yeah, I would, guess. I would guess. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. coming up, Wolkshevik's on the uh, the march, obviously. So uh, observing what's going on between Israel and Hamas, I mean, there was talk of a ceasefire, and the Israeli Defense Forces said today, one general said, we're not uh, looking into a ceasefire. We're in the business of firing currently. So they're the opposite of that. Um, their, their plan is to just, well, it's the same plan they have every time. They pummel usually Hamas or whoever it is that's firing at them, until they can't fire anymore. And they finally give and say uncle, basically, and then it ends. Yeah, I don't think Israel has any interest in getting together and and, and chatting with Hamas, which is backed by Iran, Iran's proxy. And they're firing rockets into Israeli uh, civilian areas. I think the Israeli government would like to absolutely beat Hamas into dust. And that's what they're doing. Hmm. And the squad doesn't like it, and your college daughter doesn't like it. And and, and honestly, uh, there are a hell of a lot of Palestinian people, people living in those regions, that would really, really like all the politics to end so they could just make a living. 
But Iran doesn't want that. Iran doesn't care about those people at all. So I keep hearing this is the worst fighting since 2014. And whenever I hear that, I think, well, then what's the big deal then? I mean, this has been happening every few years my whole life. 2014 is not that long ago. I mean, if you said this is the worst fighting since 1962 or something, I would think, oh, my God. But worst fighting since 2014, and it'll be like all the other ones. It kind of started out of nowhere, lasts a little while, kind of ends out of nowhere. That's what happens every time. The thing that stuck out to me, though, is the fighting that they're having in towns all around Israel. Arabs and Israelis who have lived in these towns and been fine with each other forever are beating each other to death sometimes Yeah, in the street, pulling each other out of cars and beating them to death. They're throwing rocks through their windows. There are fights in towns all around Israel between Arabs and Israelis. This is something that hasn't happened for decades and decades. That is unique. Ain't identity politics grand. These Me. people who work together, they live together side by side. They're, they're friends or whatever. Hey, Jim, how are you? Now they're beating each other to death over identity policy. I wonder if it's got some of the same, uh, it's some of the same effects of social media that are playing upon this as has happened in the United States, you know, where we're so polar- polarized where you would never want your daughter to marry somebody from the other political party. I mean, I think because, yes. we, because we all get our information. I imagine it's true in Israel, too. They probably tend to get their information from a news source that gives them stuff they want to hear. Sure, so, siloed. Yep. So if you're an Arab, you're, you're, you're following Twitter or listening to news that makes Israelis sound awful and vice versa for the Israelis. And now you've got way more anger and justification than you've ever had before for, uh, for hating the other side. Yeah, and the uh, propaganda... Uh, um you know, mechanisms are getting more and more sophisticated, too. They know what they're doing. They know about those informational silos. You know, remember the kids' show in uh, uh, for the Palestinians that taught them that Jews drink the blood of infants. I mean, teaching kids, indoctrinating them, and, and, and that's in the schools now, and it's on social media and the rest of it. So, I, you know, the whole idea of we're going to come to a settlement and everybody's going to sit down. It's going to take a sea change on the Palestinian side. They will have to get completely different representation. No more proxies of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard in charge of chunks of the territory. Or there will never be a deal. Uh, Burning Vagina is going to be the name of a band, I think, soon. That might be the best band name of the year. I'm not sure I actually heard what I just heard. Just saw this headline. Some... Somebody's suing Gwyneth Paltrow because her candles smell like a burning vagina, which I don't know why you would know that. How you would know that? Well, wait a minute. Now, she was selling the candle that allegedly was reminiscent of her her, her <laughs> private parts, <laughs> which is... I hate that. I hate that whole story. I do, too. You brought it up. But anyway... So they're the, suing her? Because it smells like a BV, and uh, all I was saying <laughs> is that's a good band name. I feel wow. like that's a review that the product is working as advertised, right? Well, no, I don't think... If it's no. supposed to smell like, no, then you, you set it aflame. Yeah, then then by my transitive properties of math, I think <laughs> right. I understand what's going on here. Sean, you as a single man know nothing of scented candles. If this, I've got a book. I've got a book in front of me. This book smells like a book. Books have a smell. This smells like a book. If I set it on fire, then what does it smell like? A burning book. 
Mm-hmm. It's right. the Uncle same Dennis. thing. If if I get a cranberry candle, it's not supposed to smell like burning cranberries. <laughs> it's supposed to smell like cranberries while it's burning. Yeah, that's a good point there. It's you, a subtle distinction, but an point. important one. Vanilla scented candles smell like vanilla when you light them. They don't smell like burning vanilla. All right. No. All right. Burning vanilla smells like burning virtually everything. You don't want it. It's no good. Interesting. Okay, you might win that argument. <laughs> a rare, a rare concession. So, uh, why don't we uh, why don't we do Wokshevix on the march at some point? We, uh, I've been resisting the urge to talk about Prince Harry. Oh boy, okay. he's an anti the First Amendment. Is that what I heard? Well, yes. I assume yes. there is more to this story than I was seeing in the headline. Am I right or wrong? Is yeah. he? Oh, let me let me nail it, uh, boil it down here to his essence. So we'll have okay. boiled Harry. What does that smell like? We'll yeah. boil this down to its essence. Yeah. Um, is he an example of we assume people are good looking are pretty smart and turning out to be he's not? Is is there a chance of that? That may be it, and he may have a touch of Kaepernick's disease, meaning he's oh, fallen right. under the sway of a hot chick, right? And is saying what'll make that hot chick happen. <laughs> I've been trying to catch that disease my whole life. <laughs> there's, there's a long history of that. We will explain in moments. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hello, did I hear a weird voice in my head? Maybe. Here I am. That's what I say whenever I hear a voice, because that's what they said in the Bible all the time when God spoke to them. Here I am. Hmm. So I always assume it's God if I hear a voice. Eh, safe assumption. That's well, it's, you know, covers all my bases. The Bible! Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, Drew Harwell is a guy who uh, takes a look at tech stuff, and he's got this. Finally, a pair of $269 sunglasses that can reorder me dog food. Uh, we'll get to that story. <laughs> Get to that story coming up. My sunglasses are going to order me dog food. You know, I'm curious. I want to get that clip number four on before. And Wokshevik's on the march coming up in just a moment or two. But this is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame CEO, I guess. Clip number four. Let's hear this. People like the stuff that's closest to them. And I think they need to expand their thinking of rock and roll. It's a big tent. Rock and roll was never just four skinny guys with long hair and guitars. It's always been diverse. It's a big tent, and everybody fits under it. It's an attitude, it's a spirit, and that's rock and roll. All right. All right, that was uh, a big nothing. A big nothing. So that's justifying why rappers or whoever are in the Correct. Rock and Roll Hall of yeah. Fame? Yeah. yeah, apparently he was addressing that. I guess people get upset about that. I don't care. I was um, upset that it was boring. That's what upset me about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's a pop music memorabilia museum of mild interest. Yeah, you, you can put whoever you want in your hall of boring. That's fine. Right. It's just it's it's pop music memorabilia warehouse essentially. Pretty good memorabilia. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, look, honey, Keith Richards pants. <laughs> yeah, I see him. <laughs> There's a microphone he sang in. So I was uh, debating t- for myself uh, whether to include Prince Harry in Wolkshevik's On the March. And I'm not gonna, even though he said some really stupid stuff about, well, first of all, he, he made some statements. He did an interview, a podcast the other day. 
And immediately, half of the media went to, listen to the spoiled little rich boy. And he was talking about, he couched the terms carefully, but he was talking about emotional abuse and, and like toxic parenting going back generations. And his decision that staying part of the royal family would continue that onto his children. Mm. And it was a, it was a very recognizable description of breaking the cycle of child abuse that anybody with any knowledge could sure. could recognize. And uh, because you, ha- I mean, my God, th- th- that existence is so sick and unnatural. You know, being part of the royal family. But anyway, so immediately half the media goes so spoiled. It doesn't appreciate slandering the royal family. How dare he fall out as the royals? Blah blah. It's like, oh, my God, you people are so stupid, and your listeners and readers are so stupid. This guy said something smart and sensitive about loving his children. You go to your playbook of idiocy. On the other hand. The playbook of idiocy. I got that memorized. I don't need the little wrist thing that gives me the, the play calls. <laughs> no. Of which play. no, I wrote that playbook. <laughs> That's why you're so good in the fourth quarter. <laughs> you idiot. Anyway, anyway, he went on to say, somehow they got into the topic of... um. The the paparazzi, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I don't want to start going sort of going down the First Amendment route because that's a huge subject and one in which I don't understand because I've only been here a short period of time. But you can find a loophole in anything. You Blah, blah, blah. He said, I've got so much to say about the First Amendment as I sort of understand it, but it is bonkers. Okay. So some half-wit Brit says the First Amendment is bonkers. First of all, Harry, I like Ted Cruz's comment. He said, nice that you can say that. It's a good point. That's a good and one. other people piled on and made their, their Sink points. Sink their ships! The right. Sink their ships! <laughs> oh, said one uh, Australian newspaper columnist, he's such a tiresome flog. Shut up, Harry. <laughs> That's fine. Hey, Harry, the First Amendment, to the extent that I understand it, which is pretty damn thoroughly, is one of the greatest gifts to mankind in the history of Homo sapiens. And if Britain was it up its own butt over progressive policies that don't work, forbidding people from insulting each other, you'd adopt the First Amendment lock, stock, and barrel and be a better country for it. And if you'd ever like to discuss that on the Armstrong and Getty Show, I would be delighted to discuss that. And I won't ask about the Queen Mum one freaking time, because I don't care. It's the first time I had the thought that maybe I've fallen for it again. Uh, Prince Harry looks kind of like regal. That's a funny thing to say. Um, uh, smart and important, but this part, part of because he's just a good looking guy. And so I kind of thought he was kind of smart and he might not be. He might be just like an average lummox. No, and I, I believe he's a, a man of courage. He was a helicopter pilot in Afghanistan, right? Well, he could I mean, be a perfectly he served good with dude, honor, but right. he might not be very smart. Right. He might not be very good with ideas. I, just... I had that happen just the other night. There was a guy and it's weird how we're built this way. A guy, and he was uh, kind of a studly, looked like a young Russell Crowe dude, and he was dealing with this thing and everything like that. And it took me a while to figure out, oh, you're you're pretty dumb. You're not very, okay. You're incompetent. I was, okay, now I understand what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it happens. Well, blah, 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 transition music. It's time for Wokesheviks on the March. Cue the Chinese National Anthem. There's a tsunami of wokeness. There's a tsunami of wokeness. There's a tsunami of wokeness. 
There's a tsunami of theme so much. We mentioned this earlier, but just briefly, in a twist worthy of Mark Twain himself, a St. John's University professor has been fired for reading a passage from one of the great anti-slavery novels ever. There's a tsunami of wokeness. By Mark Twain, Puddinhead Wilson, it happened to include the N-word. She's been fired for that. For reading one of the great tracks that helped end slavery. And the point is... And condemned slavery. The point is the person in the book using the N-word is supposed to come off poorly. I mean, it's a criticism of them. Look at this sort of person. Right, exactly. Even as movies, rap songs, etc., use the term regularly, and often in the movies, it's to portray accurately the the ugliness of historical, uh, you know, happenings of of slavery and racism and the rest of it. But in a university class of all places, you can't use that. It's sickening. Moving along, there's more Wolksheviks on the march than just those. The University of Oxford, as our universities lead the way toward only one thought is allowed. A tsunami of woke. Uh, yeah, we got that. <laughs> the University of Oxford is considering changes to the music curriculum, including alternate titles for courses after certain staff raised concerns about the complicity in white supremacy in the teaching of the subject. Not only do they think they shouldn't study the great composers anymore because they're white people, but there are some people on the staff of one of the great universities on earth who think they shouldn't study musical notation anymore, quarter notes and eighth notes and rests, because that was from the slave era and is of white European music and causes students of color great distress, except it only causes them distress if you make them so crazy they think it should. Nuts. Armstrong and Getty. tell you about the sunglasses that will help you order your dog food it's very handy i actually actually think it's the coming future and we'll all be into them and i think it's a good idea but it's quite mockable also stay tuned for that mm, all right uh, so i found it notable indeed that ian bremer he of the realist point of view uh, president of Eurasia Group that advises big giant corporations and governments on what is happening around the world and what the risks are so they can't afford to be wrong much. He just retweeted a tweeted article from Richard Haas, who's the president of the Council on Foreign Relations, saying, while it is not provable, it is most likely that the Chinese bat fever escaped from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. They were working on that enhanced, uh, I can't remember what the technique is. I think Jennifer Griffin mentions it in this excellent report we're about to play, but uh, they were working on that uh that uh, enhanced virus, and it somehow escaped from the lab. Lab accidents happen. I will remind you that uh, your Google, your YouTube, your Twitter, your Facebook, they banned and blocked anybody saying they thought that's what would happen. Because that's misinformation. Because... A couple of, uh, like the Lancet came out early with pow- with strong statements on how that was just a, that it was, it was misinformation and terrible. And and the more people look at it, and I mean serious people, the more that looks to be the most uh, likely explanation. But anyway, 
Having said that, let's hit uh, clip number 33. 18 top scientists are now calling for an investigation into the pandemic's origins that does not discount the possibility of a lab leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The new letter printed in the magazine Science suggests the investigation into the Wuhan lab is not closed despite a WHO report that ruled out a lab leak. Quote, theories of accidental release from a lab and zoonotic spillover both remain viable. The letter is signed by Dr. Ralph Barrick, a top coronavirus expert at the University of North Carolina, whose gain-of-function research was cited by the Wuhan lab's Dr. Shi Jing Li, also known as the Batwoman, because she had been collecting samples of bat droppings and mapping coronaviruses for years. Gain-of-function research is designed to enhance the transmission of potential pandemic pathogens by speeding up evolution. Gain-of-function, that's the, uh, the term I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got to admit, I get distracted whenever they use the term Batwoman. Um, <laughs> wow. Hey, uh, trip back to your adolescence there. Hmm? <laughs> Lee Merriweather in the leather suit. Um, uh, or wait, was she was Cat... Was she... She was Catwoman. She was the Eartha Kit and Lee Merriweather they were, were Catwoman. Woman, and there's Batgirl. Bat yeah. Well, what? Jeez, that changed my life. Um, oh. uh, so when you chose to be hetero. That is when I made the decision. Yes. Um, I, I was looking at Robin, looking at her, looking at Robin. I think I'll go this way. Um, so I, I, I do have some problem. It's a, it's a newer phenomenon. This whole 100 generals have signed a letter saying Trump is a danger to America. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. last week, 100 generals signed a letter saying that January 6th was not something or other, or, and Biden is a, is a, you know, so, so now you got 18 top scientists who've signed on. So I, I never know what to believe in these things. There's a gazillion generals. There's a gazillion scientists. But it seems pretty clear that ruling out the fact that it jumped out of a lab somehow is just crazy. That's just crazy. One of the things that most recommend a piece of journalism or investigation to me is when they, like a couple of long pieces I've read lately, say, this is not proof. What we are saying is there is compelling enough evidence to dismiss this possibility would be wildly irresponsible. That to me, that is responsible. That's somebody who's serious. Not the proof, stunning proof that the Chinese super weapon, blah, blah, blah. No, that's crap. That's clickbait, generally speaking. Um, so I think this stuff is really, really compelling. But a little more from Jennifer Griffin here. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says he supports the ongoing investigation into the origins of the pandemic and an interagency group of experts are looking back over the evidence. If this wasn't a deliberate attack, I can guarantee you the next one will be. And we don't have a system of biosensors out there in the world to detect these things. David Asher spearheaded the State Department team that revealed in January the Chinese military was conducting classified research at the Wuhan lab, and several Chinese scientists became sick with mysterious flu-like symptoms in November 2019. This was the People's Republic of China doing something that could have been prevented had they given us early warning. So whether this actually was a weapon in development, uh, I contend that it likely was. But the way that they allowed it to spread essentially weaponized the virus. Yeah, I'm not sure that. Yeah, that was a, like a weird end to that. I almost wish we hadn't played that, uh, although I called for it. Um, 
Because the stuff I've been reading lately doesn't say, no, it wasn't a weapon unleashed on the world. They were studying. One of the ways you study these uh, these viruses is you make them stronger, gain-of-function research, more spreadable, the rest of it, then you figure out how to fight them. It's a legitimate realm of science and sure. medicine. Makes but sense. It's, it, but it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. And this piece uh, that I'm reading right now, who's this by? You know, if I scroll up, I'll lose my place. I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, they mentioned that letter from The Lancet that came out in mid-February of last year. Can you imagine making a definitive statement about anything COVID in mid-February of last year? It's, it's, we barely understood that it had begun at that point. But the Lancet, a bunch of virologists, wrote, We stand together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. Uh, obviously, it was far too soon to leap to any conclusions. Scientists quite overwhelmingly conclude that this coronavirus originated in wildlife, they said, along with a stirring rallying call for readers to stand with their Chinese colleagues on the front line of fighting the disease. <clears throat> but contrary to the letter's writer's assertion, the idea that the virus might have escaped from the lab invoked accident, not conspiracy. It surely needed to be explored, not rejected out of hand. A defining mark of good scientists is that they go to great pains to distinguish between what they know and what they don't know. By this criterion, the signatories of the Lancet letter were behaving as poor scientists. They were assuring the public of facts that they could not know for sure were true. Then it turns out that the Lancet letter had been organized and drafted by Peter Daszak, president of the EcoHealth Alliance of New York. His organization funded coronavirus research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. If indeed the SARS-2 virus, the one we're talking about, had indeed escape from the lab he funded, Dezak would be potentially culpable. This acute conflict of interest was not declared to the Lancet's readers. To the contrary, the letter concluded, we declare no competing interests, which is an astounding act of, of duplicity and dishonesty. And yet, partly, well, partly, almost entirely, because Trump was blaming the Chinese, virtually all of the American media said, there, 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 see? It was natural. The Ch- it wasn't the Chinese fault. Trump's wrong as always. He's evil and he's stupid. And we're going to cling to this idea we just read in an ill-conceived and dishonest letter for the rest of our careers to the point that it's banned on social media even to discuss the question. Man, are we a messed up society. Yeah. Um, how about what that guy said of if this wasn't released as a weapon, the next one will be. Boy, so if China has got something like this developed, and then they want to make their big move on, uh, who knows, Taiwan or us or whatever. So at the same time, you bring down our uh, pipeline and our cell phones with a hack. You release this COVID-21, mm-hmm. you know, in an indoor, you know, an LAX whole bunch of people traveling all over the place. Give it to a bunch of people, and we got Yikes. that distracting us for weeks to come. Right. Yeah, wow, that's scary. Well, and, and many weapons have been uh, come upon partly by accident through the years. Yeah, you combine this chemical with this chemical, all of a sudden it levels the entire lab, and somebody says, whoa, 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 that's a powerful explosive. What can we do with this? Uh, just uh, just for the record, this... um. Creating viruses more dangerous than those that exist in nature, the gain-of-function thing, it's been going on for 20 years, 
mostly underneath the public radar because it sounds kind of scary and dangerous so they don't talk about it. Um, but the scientists involved have been saying we can do this safely and that by getting ahead of nature, we can predict and prevent natural spillovers. Those are crossover viruses from animals to human beings. It's important work, and it probably is. But one final note, because I've hit this before, our own State Department several years ago sent back urgent cables saying, hey, we've toured the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and their own scientists are telling us that they don't have technicians that understand the safety uh, protocols. They're, they're concerned that their safety methods are way insufficient for the work they're doing. Now, the idea that you get that, and then all of a sudden a super virulent uh, virus is afoot, and the Chinese, for some reason, are covering up and denying access and lying and, and the rest of it. And then you ban the very idea that it might have been uh, the discussion of the very idea that it's a lab accident. That's that's that is stupidity on an Olympian scale. It is astounding to me. Humanity continues to astound me, even at my advanced age. Coming up. Finally, we'll get to this. A pair of $269 location-tracking sunglasses that can reorder your dog food. They're finally available. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I was struck by this headline. Hugs are coming back. Not everyone is thrilled. For instance, everyone who works for Governor Cuomo. No. Hey, no. Um, He's a perv, you see. So maybe we'll talk about this uh, more tomorrow. Just came across it during the commercials. Fits in kind of with what Joe was just talking about. How Facebook uses fact-checking to suppress scientific truth. And the long and short of it is there was a 800-meter um, race uh, high schoolers in Oregon. And the uh, a girl crossed the finish line and face planted, got dizzy and face planted at the finish line. Coach and everybody blamed it on a lack of oxygen because she was running in a mask. Which Idiotic. Was the rules at the time in Oregon, which I think are still are, um, running in a mask. No justification for that whatsoever. Nope. Young person, outdoors. All kinds of reasons it's stupid. But anyway, she passed out and smashed her face into the pavement. And one of the reasons, that there's plenty of knowledge out there that exercising in a mask makes it difficult to breathe, that could happen. But that very information had been shut out of Facebook and other social media uh, platforms because they were um, censoring out any so-called disinformation about masking. Anything that wasn't pro-mask got booted off the platforms, even if it was 100% factually true, like if you run in a mask, you might not be able to get enough oxygen, you might pass out. Right. That article got booted off of Facebook because it was disinformation about masking. And if you know anything about Silicon Valley, you understand that it's the wokest of the woke who have these jobs. The most ideological of the ideological are in charge of being the censors. What's woke got to do with wearing masks? Trump was against masks, so you have to be for them. That's all there is to that conversation. In all circumstances. All circumstances. How crazy is that? Including young, healthy people running alone in the wind. Um, I thought this was interesting, This uh, these smart glasses, which you know are coming to us soon. Now, the uh, 
the um, tweet that we saw from Drew Harwell is kind of funny. Finally, a pair of $269 location tracking sunglasses that can reorder me dog food. And I was ready to mock it and everything. But as I read it, this is the sort of thing I've been expecting for a while. I think it's just a matter of time before we all wear some sort of headpiece, whether it's an earpiece or these sunglasses or whatever. Tron helmet. Tron helmet. <laughs> I think it's just a matter of time. With these sunglasses and the the idea is that uh, the majority of adults, anyway, wear glasses anyway, prescription glasses. Or Tron helmets. Yeah, go ahead. And, uh, <laughs> and Can I wear that horse head mask that was so popular for a while? Um, you know, Google Glass didn't really catch on. Maybe it was just too early, but I do, I, I really do think it's a matter of time. And then, so that is going to be your, the, the microphone and the speaker that you have with you all the time. And then perhaps a screen with one of the glasses. And, uh, this is, you can say, you, you, you just have your glasses on and you just say, Siri, you know, turn off my lights. Siri, open the garage door. Siri, order more dog food. Or, you know, you get a phone call and you answer the phone call with your glasses on or whatever. All that different stuff. With a pair of glasses. I think that's inevitable. And it's just whoever comes up with one that we like the most first. But in this particular case, it's a pair of $300 sunglasses, which good sunglasses cost that much anyway, so it's not that extraordinary. And they're location trackers, too? Don't well, they, they know where they are? They're, they're on my nose, they're any, clearly. They're, anything, they're everything your cell phone is. So, ah. so like, the use case of that is uh, I'm, I'm driving home. My home knows I, it, takes, it takes five minutes for my house to get up to the temperature I want. My house now senses I am five minutes away, activates the, uh, the, the heating, the heater, and now my, my house is the proper temperature when I arrive. I wonder, if, like that. I wonder if at some point, cause that's what our cell phone is now. That's mm-hmm. what my iPhone does now. I wonder if at some point we don't have our phones with us all the time. That's the, the Apple Watch does that for some people. Mm-hmm. Maybe these glasses would do it for other people. My favorite thing is that it'll open your garage door for you when you're like two houses away. Because it's so strenuous. Oh, that button. Ow, my it's, finger. That's really good, because then you can see the person running away with your golf clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, right in time. You'd think the people that were trying to sell this stuff would come up with a better example. Because don't, don't most people <laughs> react to that example with... Ah, well, and it'll turn my lights on for me. Because, got... again, the switch. Oh, my finger, I broke it again with that damn switch. <laughs> You'd just think that would come up with better examples that more people would react to with a, oh, that'd be awesome if I could do that. Nobody reacts that way to the garage door thing. I've got a little garage door opener and the, 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 my visor. I press the button, it opens. It's, it's, it couldn't be handier. I mean, right. They what do you think they, of lights that turn on when you walk into the room? I kind of like that. I like that, too. And turn off when you... I especially like if they turn off when you leave. Yeah. That's awesome. Final thoughts with A&G. Yeah! Although I've got the downside of that in my final thought. Here's your host for oh. Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew, starting with our technical director there in the control booth, Michelangelo. Michael. I am working to get financially literate. And what I mean by that is learning about cryptocurrencies. Uh, Positive Sean's going to help me after the show today. Oh, fantastic. Uh, uh, get into Dogecoin. I heard that's big. <laughs> Don't listen to Jack. <laughs> There's our producer, Positive Sean, with a final thought. Sean? Uh, yeah, pretty much a non sequitur of anything. But the, the older I get, the more I come to realize that this might be the funniest thing that I've ever heard uttered. Family. Religion. Friendship. These are the three demons you must slay if you wish to succeed in business. I will just be driving and randomly think of that and just cackle for minutes. That's great. These are the three demons you must slay. (laughs) 
Jack, back from his brief illness. Jack, a final thought? Yeah, so the automatic light thing we got in the bathroom. You walk in there, it turns on, and then if I uh, need to take a sit, sometimes the lights turn off automatically, and there I am in the dark, in the bathroom. This has happened to me a number of times. Oh, my. Uh, And I don't dig that at all. It gets off by one. Once had a manager who was so inactive in his office, it was regular that the lights would turn (laughs) off on him. Uh, my final thought is significantly more weighty. It was 150 years ago, I think, today. Um, 125 years ago today that the Plessy versus Ferguson case down came down from the Supreme Court, which enshrined the concept of sec- separate but equal. Justice John Marshall Harlan unleashed a scathing dissent 125 years ago when which he pointed out our constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens in respect of civil rights all citizens are equal before the law this is not a racist country this is a country that's fought against racism since we're founding our founding unevenly at times but be proud of it earlier i said have a sit that's SIT. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four hour workday. Oh, boy. Let's have uh, there's so many people. Thanks. A little time. Go to ArmstrongandGetty.com. Get some A&G swag. We have all of our podcasts there, including our Neil Ferguson Extra Large podcast. You can email us, mailbag at ArmstrongandGetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. That is the climax of foolishness. Get over it. I'm just saying. Words. That's the awesome. I think this is so ill-advised. I'm gonna call my lawyer. Gun. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. You are being a grumpy pants. What does it have to be? You, you, you. You're not making them laugh, but you're bringing us together. Get the hell out of here. So... Let's go out with a bang. Stopalon, a new cryptocurrency. That's stop Elon. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs>